This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast in association with Footy 5, the new score prediction game from the pools. Simply predict five correct math scores and you could win £25,000. To play Footy 5 for free this weekend, visit thepools.com. You must be over 18 and in the UK to play. Joining me today, I'm Christian Walsh and joining me today is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. How are you, Jay? A little bit jaded, Chris. Been a long week, but um, still battling on. It's been a struggle, hasn't it? Has, yeah. Yeah, I've had a few. It's been a couple of long days this week. The uh, Some of it self-inflicted, some of it work duties, but... Uh, yeah, looking forward to a good kit before going to Watford. Had a nice little meeting with uh, John Toshak, didn't you? That was that was nice. Yeah, that was. I'd say that was probably my highlight of the week so far. Still time for one of you boys to better it this afternoon. Oh, I wouldn't back on it. Maybe if Gorsty gets the bruise in or something. Like that. <laughs> Hang on, you've been on about three nights out, nights out this week, and you're complaining of, of being jaded. It's all been well. Like, what was it? I'm trying to think, what I, dinner with John Toshak on Monday yeah, night. Yeah, hard life. That was you know, a fair bit of white wine was seen off uh, that that <laughs> night, and then. Dinner with an agent on Wednesday night. Ah, then, was that, is that yeah, it was on Aspire? Yeah, right, yeah, okay. That was business. On the way to Fiverr's side, yeah, um, yeah. I walked past a, a you know, trendy night spot and there was James <laughs> Pierce in the window and I thought, oh, he's missing Fiverr's side for this. Who's he dining with? So, <laughs> so if it's an agent, can, can, we, can we be pretty certain that you, you, you're going to put in a transfer request and go well, to the MEN? He did say that my time in life, I've probably only got one big contract left in me. <laughs> so <laughs> need to make sure I get it right. Um, and then, yeah, last night did a... Q&A night with um, John Northcroft and Gregor Keith and Phil Kirkbride for uh, opening up, which is a fantastic charity. If anyone you know, is, is not aware of it, you know, the, the work they do um, with male mental health you know, has helped you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, not just in this country, but ac- across the world. And um, yeah, so that was a, a really, really good night. Plenty of lively chat about reds and blues with the derby on the horizon. And what about Friday night tonight? Definitely uh, sofa, blanket, I'm a celebrity. <laughs> Absolutely not what Craig David would say. I mean, he's not even talking about the show there. He's just saying I'm a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> Get him out of here. Uh, someone else who is a celebrity, uh, as I segue into seamlessly our Blood Red podcast, is Sadio Mane. And he has signed a new contract, James, which is big news, which means you won't be asked any more about when Sadio Mane is going to sign his new contract. Number one, how happy are you about that? And number two, how big of a deal is this for Liverpool? Yeah, I am well, very happy that it's been sorted. I think we talked about it earlier on this week, didn't we, in the in the Q&A pod we did um, on, on Monday that I always sensed that Liverpool were very relaxed about the situation that obviously on social media it had become a, a thing and a, and a source of worry and angst for some fans. But the fact that he still had over two and a half years left on his deal um, and clearly he's, he was very, you know, very happy where he is. You know, why would he want to go anywhere else? And that's now been proven with uh, those negotiations being completed. So, yeah, I think it's it's another big sign for me of how Klopp is changing Liverpool. Um, you know, I think obviously losing Coutinho was a blow back in January, but Klopp said then, you know, th- this will not happen again. You know, this, as far as he was concerned, that was, that was the, the last one, if you like, and that he felt as if they were changing the perception and that Liverpool was no longer just a stepping stone to one of the big, uh, you know, Spanish giants. But, players could actually spend the best years of their careers at Liverpool uh, and achieve their dreams there. And I think, you know, since then, you'd have to say Liverpool have backed up those words with actions with 
obviously Firmino signing his deal, then Salah a couple of months later, and now Mane. You know, it's the the kind of all the three absolutely elite attackers that, that Liverpool have at their disposal are now all under contract till 2023. And we know obviously that cynics will say, yeah, but Suarez and Coutinho signed new deals not long before they left. But you know, Liverpool's a different club now. And, um, you know, I, I think you know, they would not have signed those deals with no release clauses if they weren't very confident about the direction the club's heading in. Gorsi, there feels like there has been a scene change and do you feel that FSG's plan finally comes to fruition? Do you feel like Jürgen Klopp has been the catalyst to this? Do you think it's just based on the fact that Liverpool have now qualified for the Champions League in back-to-back seasons? You know, what 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 is the cause of this? It's basically just because they've re-established themselves, isn't it? I mean, for years, Liverpool fans were gripped with fear that their big star, whoever it was at the time, whether it was Steven Gerrard, Fernando Torres, Luis Suarez even Raheem Sterling to an extent, and then Philippe Coutinho, that they were just going to get cherry-picked sooner or later. But now, uh, Liverpool have got more than one star. They're not so much as a one- or two-man team. We've got great players in several positions, and no no more apparent than the front line when you've got three players who scored nearly 100 goals between them last season. They're all now tied down till, uh, well, five years at least. Um, and it's not so much... It, it's not even like it's, it's just a value preserver for Liverpool... You know, they're signing new deals because they want to keep these players up until um, that contract and then see where they are in terms of are they good enough to get an extension. So it's um, it, it's it's a culture shift really over the last five years and a lot of that is down to how Liverpool have kind of um, re-established themselves and, and Klopp has to take a lot of that credit. 26, 26 and 27 are the ages of the front three, James. I mean, this is big as well to basically say that these three are going to be playing their peak years at Anfield. Yeah, I was looking at it this morning, actually, um, doing a doing a, a piece kind of reacting to Mane signing his contract. And if you look at the ages of the players that Liverpool have lost over the last decade, you know, they were around that age. I think Suarez, 26, maybe. I think Torres was the same kind of age. Mascherano as well. I think Lonzo was 27. So Liverpool have then they've lost those great players that, that in the end, most of them got disillusioned and decided that they had to go elsewhere to achieve what they wanted to achieve in football, that yeah, their best years were elsewhere. And I think, yeah, that's the big thing. The ages of these players now is is that they will be spending their peak years under Klopp and, you know, that that is going to be absolutely massive for Liverpool. It's going to be made a little bit easier by the fact that if Barcelona wants to sign any Liverpool player, including Alberto Moreno, for example, or, <laughs> you know, let's say any player, you know, of, of that ilk, they'll have to pay at least £100 million. Pounds. I mean... It, it's it, it's a great bit of business by Michael Edwards, isn't it? But also, it just shows you how serious Liverpool are here about keeping their stars and and, and, and making sure that they spend their best years at Anfield. Yeah, I think it, you know that clause kind of ties in with what Klopp was saying back in January when Coutinho did did go that you know don't think this is this is the way we're going to be doing things. You know, I think he felt that Coutinho was very much a one-off in terms of Klopp's time at Liverpool because. You know, he he felt that Coutinho had this emotional bond with Barcelona that that just meant that despite them doing everything they possibly could to keep him, offering him a massive increase in his wages, there was just he just in the they reached, Klopp reached that point where you know I think his quote was we couldn't have used Philip in the second half of the season. You know, it was that strong that he felt they had to do that deal. And I think you know the fact that now it's come out that at the time Michael Edwards insisted on that clause that. You know they they cannot sign any other Liverpool player essentially till summer of 2020 um, because you know that's that's essentially what it says. You know no, they're not going to 
100 million euros on top of the asking price and it's just it's just not going to happen but yeah yeah i think it was more you know a bit of a because I, I don't i don't yeah it, it really in, in reality it doesn't mean an awful lot does it that clause but you know i think it was just liverpool's way of saying to barcelona you know this is it like you know, you know you've taken enough of our crown jewels <laughs> over the years yeah you, you're getting this one but it's not going to happen again anytime soon of course, so you look at Mane, Firmino and Salah now and they all came for a combined fee of less than £100 million. I mean, will it go down as some of the best business the club's ever done? You know, Mane in particular, since he's the one who's just signed the contract, £30 million from Southampton. There were a lot of doubters when he arrived, yeah. myself included. Just how big has he been for Liverpool? Well, he's been superb. I mean, he was Liverpool's best player, wasn't he, in his debut season when he, when he was out on the right and... Liverpool, uh, Liverpool missed him when he got injured in, in the derby at, at the beginning of April. Just about um, made it into the top four. But, um, it was made a whole lot more difficult by his absence, particularly when he went to the uh, African Cup of Nations as well when Liverpool's title challenge basically evaporated, didn't it, in a disastrous January. Um, and then last season, he, he's just adapted and improved, really. On, on, uh, instead of playing on a wide right, he, he's moved to the wide left and he's finished with 20 goals with with the, that goal in the, in the Champions League final. And um, I'm, I'm not certain if this is true, but I'd hazard a guess that that's probably his best ever scoring season. Uh, for me now, again, you know, same thing with him. He got 27 last season, turned himself into one of the finest centre-forwards in Europe. And Mohamed Salah is Mohamed Salah, isn't he? Um, one of the world's very best players. So you can look at it in terms of saying those three will go down as, as some of the best business in the club's history. But it's also... Tied in with the shift that, that Neymar's transfers done to the, the entire market, where now 100 million is actually quite a lot of money, isn't it? Well, it, it used to be, but mm. now it's like any elite player is going to be fetching over that. So it's um, a lot of that is down to the shift in the market as well. But look, Liverpool aren't looking to sell any of these, so there's no price on any of them. And you know, one of the one of the best attacks in Europe is, is Manny under races because you just said there. You think about what he's achieved at Liverpool, and I, I feel like on on this pod and, and certainly in things that are right, sometimes I can I can be quite critical of, of Sadio Mane but you know he scored that goal at Goodison Park uh, in the last minute uh, he scored against Tottenham he scored against Arsenal he scored against Manchester City of course he scored in the Champions League quarter-final semi-final final mm-hmm. 20 goals last season vitally important to the way Liverpool play is it a case of because Salah is so so good that it's almost forgotten sometimes exactly what Mane's done in the past two seasons. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what it is. Actually, he, he's a player who seems to get his goals in bunches, doesn't he? Um, well, he's on six already this season. Yeah. Get, you know, there's another thing that you figure. And I, I, I think he, he hadn't really scored too many up until New Year's Day when he scored against Burnley, didn't he? And then he just went on, a, on an incredible run and ended up fetching the twenty mark with the last game of the season. But yeah, I, I think the way Salah basically took everyone. By surprise last season, let's face it, no one, no one had them down to end up finishing the season with 44 goals and, and the amount of accolades he got. I think Mane is kind of overlooked, but um, he's certainly not overlooked by Jürgen Klopp or uh, the insiders at Liverpool. So yesterday's news would have been huge for, for everyone concerned. James, what of us uh, from three compadres, uh, Mohamed Salah. Now, Jürgen Klopp was, I thought he was quite restrained in his uh, press conference. <laughs> Um, when he was asked about what um, Javier Aguirre, the um, Egyptian coach, said. So basically, he was quoted this week saying uh, Mohamed Salah will eventually have to leave Liverpool if they don't win titles. 
This was put to uh, to Jürgen Klopp, who responded, uh, who is the Egypt manager? <laughs> Which I think is a great bit of snide, because yeah, as yeah. if he doesn't know who his best players... Yeah. international manager is but you know you know he gave he gave the, he gave the response he gave i thought he was quite you know calm and collected it's it's a ridiculous statement from aguere isn't it and Klopp's probably given the best response yeah yeah it's you know for for a start i don't i don't know why the egypt manager is even you know like you, know, you wouldn't you wouldn't catch the england manager would you pass and comment on whether an England player should be looking to to move on from a from a top club to another to a rival. You know, it's the. Um, I think it's this international thing where people, players and managers feel like the internet was it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. And if they say it to Egyptian television, it's not going to get back to anybody, and yeah. it's just going to exist in this laugh, bubble. It, it reminds me of like. Reminds me of when Yossi Benayoun used to go on international duty and he'd like he'd never say a single word like to the Echo or any of the UK press and or if he did it was the most bland answers imaginable and then he'd go and play for Israel and it would be like bombshell after bombshell and I think it was like uh, where he'd obviously think you know the the Jerusalem Times definitely won't get read in the Liverpool I'm safe here and that was uh, the internet was obviously just swinging into action there and uh, so yeah it's uh, yeah I don't know why oh, I don't know whether something has been lost in translation or what who who knows but. Yeah, I thought Klopp dealt with it very well, actually. Um, yeah, the old put down with with the question of who the Egypt manager even was, and I think he made some quip as well, didn't he? About you know, he, well, he might have to go and work in another country if yeah, he doesn't yeah. win anything in the next couple of years. And you know, that's the bottom line, isn't it? You know, the same same for you know, no different for Klopp and Salah or whatever. You know, Salah signed his contract because he believes Liverpool will win trophies over the coming years, and you know, like that's that's football, isn't it? If you're not if you're not successful. Then, then people move on either by choice or, or because they're shoved out the door. And the um, the Egypt manager should, should probably just focus on his on his own team at the moment. Of course, the I mean, he's not going anywhere, obviously, Mohamed Salah. But it it brings this wider point, I suppose, around international breaks and and, and unwelcome distractions. And you know, Ian Klopp actually sort of made a point of it during the press conference about how you know Andy Robertson, for example, only has two days, and he talked about how. You know, as a human being, it's good for them, but as a yeah. coach, it's not. I mean, it's it's quite important now that Liverpool are going into this spell of three months, four months, for an international break. It's going to give them a chance to to not worry about any of these sorts of silly trivialities. Yeah, yeah, and it it just seems. I don't know whether whether it's true, but it just seems like it, there's more international breaks than than ever. It seems like there's been one every month since August. Um, it's no good for us. It's it's no good for for uh, for club managers. And um, thankfully, we, we can all see the back of it for a few months. Uh, I know Klopp likes to kind of get away, doesn't he, Jordan? These, these breaks, and he likes to give players some time off. Um, so I suppose that's what he means when he says it's good for a human being because it's a chance for them to recharge his batteries in Marbella or Tenerife or whatever it might be. But yeah, I mean, he was right, wasn't he, when he was talking about entering a real critical period now for the pool. He's basically got two games a week up until the new year and... Um, some of them are vitally important, in the, obviously in the Premier League and in the, the couple of big Champions League games. So, um, he'd be glad to basically get everyone back on board um, in his ranks, and, and he can kind of keep an eye on on everyone. Ten games in five weeks, James. That's the the mantra that's being repeated now. I think that's probably going to form half of our headlines over the next couple of days. Is this a season-defining period for Liverpool? I mean, it pretty much will go a long way into the side yeah. that did in the Champions League last 16 for the start. Yeah, well, I think it's one of those periods where it could certainly break break the season. Mm. I think... It doesn't make it, does it? But no, it, only no. bad things can happen. Yeah, that's the thing, <laughs> isn't it? It's just a case of, 
you know, you, you kind of, I think everyone's looking, I think, I think it's 11 games in 41 days, I think it is, and the 11th is obviously away at the Etihad mm. on January the 3rd, and the massive thing is making sure you go to the Etihad still within touch and distance of City, whether that's, you know, a couple of points, I don't think you'd want that gap to be any more than four or five at the absolute most to to realistically think you're, you're, you're banging the race and putting City under pressure. So, um, yeah, it just feels like such a, a massive period because it's almost like what Liverpool have achieved up to now is the the basis and the platform to to mount a challenge. Um, but yeah, it's going to be some big, big questions asked. Not only of the starting eleven, but I think this will be a period where we really see whether, you know, we've said it many times about, you know, wow, look at the strength and depth that we haven't seen a Liverpool bench looking that strong in, in absolutely years. Is this the strongest squad Liverpool have had in the Premier League era? And this will put this to the test because... You know, um, Klopp's gonna. He will rotate. You have to. And if Liverpool come January the third, they're gonna go to the Etihad in the title race and in the last sixteen of the Champions League. You know, those squad players are gonna have to step up. We're gonna have to see more from Fabinho. We're gonna have to see. You know, the Naby Keita that that earned that move to Anfield in the first place. We're gonna need even like an Adam Lallana to you know to put his issues behind him and bounce back. We need you know Henderson to be a you know a the kind of the imposing captain figure that we know he can be. Um, and, and you know, the other one that stands out for me is probably Roberto Firmino, that, you know, one who has been nowhere near his level so far this season. Liverpool have got to where they are at the moment almost without him. But, you know, Liverpool desperately need the Firmino of last season if if this period now is going to gonna keep them in the race. James brought up a lot of midfielders there, Ghostly, is, is, and, you know, Jürgen Klopp actually answered questions on... Fabinho and um, Naby Keita as well today. Is, is that is that the key area for, for the next six weeks? Yeah, it is. And it, it has been all season. And I mean, we've said so many times and we do the, the team selector pieces every week. And every time I come to pick it, it's just me back five's the same and, and my front three's the same. And then it's what, what do we do with the midfield? So you, you've obviously got uh, Wijnaldum, Milner, and Henderson, Keita and Fabinho for various reasons and, and you know, different stories completely but they haven't quite got to where some fans might have expected or hoped and that's through injury and through obviously Fabinho taking his time to adjust but um, now's the now's the chance for them isn't it they're certainly going to be getting some game time over the next uh, two to three months and it's time to kind of show why that um, they were brought to the club for near 100 million and then as James mentions there Adam Lallana he's another one who's, who's been in and out with injuries and he won't be there for Watford uh, tomorrow but it's it's another opportunity for him to kind of uh, give a bit of a, of a reminder over the next uh, few weeks. So it's um, it, it's it's the midfield, isn't it? It's it, we've said it loads of times. It's um, it's the one issue where Klopp has got the the conundrum almost on a weekly basis. Is this where it'll actually kind of help Liverpool, James? That Fabinho and Keita have, have missed a fair bit of football because you'd imagine they'll be a little bit fresher than say Milner, Wijnaldum players like that you know it, 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 it might actually help that they, they missed the first part of the season or in case case a little bit of the middle yeah you'd certainly like to think so I think I was looking at I think what's Fabino started five games in total I think Cater's only think started six um so yeah they should be they, they should be fresh in terms of this this run of fixtures now it's just you know you, Liverpool just need those two I think to because I, I just think Paul's right you know you you can almost pick the team you know, you you the, the back five and then the front three. You know, is, is almost like a no-brainer, and it's that that bit in the middle, which I think the reason why 
you know, you ask a hundred fans, you probably have almost a hundred different combinations because it hasn't quite worked for whatever reason in, in, in a lot of games this season. And like, it's going to be interesting for me, whether he finds room for Shakiri, say at, at Watford on Saturday, like, what did you make of his answer when he when uh, it was actually Neil Jones of yeah. this parish? I thought he gave it a little bit of a, a short shrift. I thought it was a good question. Yeah, maybe listen, Neil. Do you know what? Yeah. Do you know what? I think I think the reason he gave it short shrift and he does this quite often is because as journalists, sometimes you get accused of not asking tactical things mm. and for you know going for cheap headlines or whatever. But the, the issue is when you do ask a tactical thing like that, managers don't actually so want to talk yeah. about it <laughs> because they don't. He don't want to give anything away. Mm. You know, he didn't want to give any indication to Watford whether he'll stick with the 4-2-3-1 or go back to 4-3-3. I hope he sticks with the 4-2-3-1 because I just think Liverpool have been, you know, when they've been at their best this season, that that's the system they played. And also that seems to be the only formation he's happy with where he can fit Shakiri and the front three in the in the same team. But I don't know, the way, the way he was talking up Watford uh, and, and talking about, you know, their physicality and all the rest of it and... You know, how strong they are from set pieces. I don't know if to me it just almost reading between the lines. I was I was thinking he's going to go for solidity in a four three three and you know whatever combination it is, whether it's you know, whether it's Milner Henderson Wijnaldum or whether he finds room for Fabino instead of Henderson um, or you know he maybe even Keita for Milner. I, I got the sense that that is probably the direction he'll go in, just based on. The way he's approached games this season, because you know he's only really used the four-two-three-one at Anfield against teams who who aren't going to show any ambition. Do you feel like the PSG game will have a bit of a say in what midfield he lines up with as well? In terms of we could almost see two different midfields yeah. for the two games. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will rotate a lot. I mean, it, it's a difficult one for a minute because you know, in a way, you know, PSG away is a big game, but it's not. It's not all or nothing, is it? You know, you know, Liverpool lose there. They have to beat Napoli by two goals on on the last match day to go through. So, yeah, I think. And then, of course, then he's balancing it with the Merseyside derby. What just three four days after mm-hmm. that, Everton have got the luxury of a full week as well. Um, so, yeah, I think undoubtedly we'll we'll see. I reckon probably three or four changes from one game to the next. Not to jump the gun, Ghosty, but in terms of team selection, you know, with the midfield specifically. How how do you see it? James is seeing it a little bit, little bit more solid. But yeah. do you reckon he'll go more expansive? No, I, I don't actually. I, I think he, he will uh, try and dig in, and I think uh, we might see Fabinho retain his place, and I think Henderson might return as well. Uh, as you mentioned there, obviously the PSG game coming up, and, and that's another one where you're expected to see less of the ball, and it might be a little counter with with the patient uh, in the wide areas. But I I don't think the Manchester derby will play too much of a of a part because. Klopp's never been shy of, of making changes in the derby. Um, he's kind of looked at it from an outsider's point of view. And Solanke started last season. Exactly, yeah. He's, he's always been... He, he kind of sees it as Liverpool playing Everton who are wrestling for, for 8th and ninth and 7th. He doesn't see it as Liverpool's great local rivals. Um, so I suppose that that's... It's a calculated way of looking at it, so I don't think the derby will play too much of a partner's thinking in terms of selection over the next couple of games. But yeah, I agree with James. I think it will be back to the 4-3-3. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before the season started, I think a lot of fans had Fabinho and Cater in their first choice midfields. Now, you know, James is right, I think, when he says there'll be a lot of rotation, Ghosty, but 
do you feel like those two could be the the answer or the, to say it's a solution says that there's a, a big problem mm. and you know ultimately Liverpool are unbeaten and second in the league two points adrift of Manchester City but do you feel like those two summer signings are the ones you can maybe be the catalyst for for a different style from Liverpool you know a bit more of the Liverpool last season certainly with Keita yeah I would say so I mean he's as we mentioned you know he's had his, his problem his injuries and hasn't quite got going as some might have liked, but there's still a, still a top player in there. And I think when he eventually does find his form and his feet and he gets into his stride, he will show why Liverpool have paid 52 million for him. Let's face it, it's you know Klopp was, was adamant that he was the the player for him, wasn't he? And um, I think once he kind of gets into that form, he, he will be a regular. I think he's box to box midfielder, so he can kind of fill a couple of roles in that midfield. He'll get forward. Um, which is something that not, you know, others don't always do, particularly Fabinho or, or Henderson. So I think with Cater, I think he could be the one to kind of unlock the the the, uh, the, the door, as you say. It's not a massive issue, is it? But there is something there. That, it needs to be more goals, doesn't it, from midfield? Yeah, it needs to be yeah. more creativity. And so far, Shakiri's done that, hasn't he? Yeah. When he's come in, but I, I mean, as as Neil Jones asked in the press conference, is Klopp a bit too? Fearful of throwing uh, Shakiri in against teams away from home, um, I, I personally think he might be at times, and um, I think Cater could be a, a solution to that. Now, James, Jurgen Klopp would probably talk up Echo FC if he was playing them. <laughs> um, he'd say that James Pierce, what, what a striker! You know, got, got to be careful of him. But he really did talk up Watford, didn't he? <laughs> He'd never say that. <laughs> he wouldn't. I don't know who he'd actually say. Probably, probably have Sam Carroll down as a player. Um, he'd probably be very um, complimentary of Rado in goal. But um, yeah, he was very, very complimentary of Watford, wasn't he? And he was, yeah. To the point where it was, it was like such a speech that you thought, is it even worth going down there on Saturday <laughs> afternoon? Because, yeah, he does. James, there's that big picture of Diana and um, <laughs> Elton John. Elton John yeah. Watford will always be worth going down for. The, um, yeah, I mean, he does tend, doesn't he, to to talk up opponents regularly. I think you know, whether it's kind of, I think I think he's always keen to kind of it's like the respect side of things, and also I think probably focused minds, you know, both in the dressing room and amongst fans as well, in terms of you know. These are not going to be any pushovers, blah blah. But yeah, it was it was some speech about you know just how strong they are in all departments. He was making Troy Deeney sound like a, a contender for the Ballon d'Or, and um, you know, there's threat from set pieces. Of course, you know, they had that great win over Tottenham. Um, yeah, it's do you know what? it's it's this kind of I, I'm sure we'll come on to predictions later. And I, I just think this is such a difficult game to even try and predict what will happen because I think you even look at the trips we've had down there since Klopp took over. We've had everything. I mean, really, Good about yeah. the ugly. Like, oh my God, that game when Bogdan played in goal. Oh, he threw it in after 20 yeah. seconds. And, you know, and that was, the Skirtle got absolutely bullied, didn't he, in that game. Was it Agarlo? Agarlo, yeah. Agarlo. Yeah. But Troy Zini as well, and he, yeah, he, he, he well, had yeah. no problem telling people afterwards either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Funny that. Yeah, and I, you know, I remember that was, that was the night of Liverpool's Christmas party as well, and all yeah. the players were convinced it was going to get cancelled and... Uh, at Formby Hall and Klopp then sent them all a message saying no 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 the, the, the party's still going on um, and uh, yeah you know that was absolutely horrific you think back to obviously the Emre Chan bicycle kick you know unbelievable piece of, of brilliance to win a game and then that was a terrible game <laughs> that, was, that was an awful game yeah though. out of keeping with everything yeah. else that went on and then the 3-3 which you know, kind of summed up Liverpool didn't it last season in terms mm. of you know 
absolutely unbelievable going one way and and kind of schoolboy defending at the other. So, yeah, I, I just don't know what to expect, to be honest. I mean, Watford have had it also thrown into the mix. What what will Watford be like? like? They had this unbelievable start to the season, didn't they? And yeah. then seem to have fallen off a cliff a bit since then. They've also had 17 managers in those three games. <laughs> <laughs> 400 players. Every time I see Watford play, there's always someone in the in the, the squad list. I think who's he? Mm-hmm. It, it's just... You know, they've got Pereira on, on the left wing, who's a threat. Yeah. Um, and obviously Troy Deeney, but Troy Deeney never make, makes... He hasn't been playing recently. I don't know if he's been injured. Yeah. 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 I mean, Isaac's success has been... Isaac's months. success, yeah. The, uh, it's a bit of an ironic surname. <laughs> uh, I think he got his first goal for two years, didn't he? A couple of weeks back. Um, but, well, now you jinxed it, haven't you? Yeah. First goal scorer. Put the mockers on that, haven't I? But Troy Deeney's never shied away from saying Van Dijk's his most difficult opponent. And, and if he plays, that'll be a battle. Yeah. Um, but they've got one or two players we'll, we'll use in, in midfield. He was obviously a player who was linked to Liverpool for forever and ever, wasn't he, under Brendan Rodgers? Decore, who Jan Moby, our Decore, columnist, yeah. is, is actually player, yeah. certain Liverpool should try and sign. Yeah, that's that's, that's not the, the, the way I shout. Actually, he's probably one of their, one of their top three players. Um, but yeah, as James says, you, you just don't know what to expect with this one. It's it's a real potential banana skin, isn't it? And Liverpool need to be focused. And that's what Klopp does well, really. He, he always kind of focuses minds in, in his press conference when people are expecting Liverpool to, to walk away with a comfortable victory. Does it make it even harder, the fact that it's coming back off the international break? And, you know, as I you know, said before, Klopp was, was keen to point out the fact that Robertson's having his first training session on Friday. So it's not going to be a, an ideal preparation against the team. Who, let, let's face it, and I'll move on to this a little bit more um, after afterwards, but the, they're in the top half, the yeah, seventh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they'll they'll have designs on on making a, a play for the Europa League, won't they? But Liverpool, I think, in, in one of the international breaks earlier in the season, they went to Tottenham, um, which is a more difficult challenge than going to Watford. And Liverpool were, were far better than Tottenham on the day, and, and should have won more than two one. So, um, hope he's just hoping that it won't be too much of a hangover from the international break, and it, it's a nice. Saturday afternoon, three o'clock kickoff. It's not an evening game where they do Vicarage Road crowd. They're going to get really up for it. It's just a, it's a bit of a nice time for Liverpool, but it's a, it is a tricky one. We talk about the the, the running Liverpool have got at the moment. You know, it was a bit kinder when Fulham, Cardiff at home. So next five league games for Liverpool, they've got Watford away, who are currently seventh. They've got Everton at home, who are currently ninth, and of course, it's a Merseyside derby. They've got Manchester United, who are eighth, but obviously, ultimately are a top six United side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've also got Bournemouth away, who are currently sixth, and there's also Burnley, who are down as 15th. But you know, they're the next five games, not necessarily in that order, but they're the next five teams that they play in the Premier League. Throw in the mix, Paris Saint-Germain away and Napoli at home. Okay, it's not to the level of when they were playing Tottenham, Chelsea and Man City within a couple of weeks of each other but it just doesn't seem to get any easier for Liverpool I know they've had a pretty <laughs> kind run there before in the previous international break the period before then but that's that, that's a rotten five games for Liverpool <laughs> seven if you include the two European games that's yeah. rotten also you look at it and you think you know, there isn't a game there where you think oh he could make four or five changes yes. and we'll be alright there Def- you know, definitely you know, it, you don't want to make five changes against Burnley away no, you know, no, or, or no, midweek guarantee it'll be raining at Burnley in that it'll be, oh. it'll be the wind will be howling in, and it, you know, they. I know Burnley haven't been; they're not the Burnley of last season. But you know, again, to go there midweek, that 
know, even Bournemouth away, you know, you know, Liverpool Six. know to their cost, you know, what, what can happen when, when you go there. So yeah, it's every one of those games you just mentioned there, they're going to be like real battles. And then, then, then Klopp has that, that, that dilemma of you probably, you know, not wanting to change things too much, but then the worry about fatigue and, and, and you know, that getting that balance right between keeping things fresh, but not making so many changes that things become disjointed. So yeah, that that's why this period feels so so massive because you know, and also throw into the mix that this isn't a normal season, is it? In terms of what Liverpool are up against. You know, I was just going to say what 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 do Liverpool need to get in these next five games. Bear in mind, Manchester City are playing Yeovil, uh, <laughs> the Metropolitan Police, Echo, Echo and FC. Echo FC, yeah, reserves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but what what do Liverpool need to get there to realistically? So the so let let's throw Wolves into the mix, okay? So let's just throw Wolves as well into the mix. So yeah, by yeah. Christmas, Wolves away. It's going to be lively as well on the Friday night. Friday night, Wolverhampton will be absolutely <laughs> swinging. So they're eleventh for the moment, but you know their performances have been far better than an eleventh place side. So what are Liverpool currently on thirty points from twelve games? Where do they want to be after eighteen? Going into Christmas, I don't. I don't I don't think Liverpool can afford to drop, say, four points between now and going to the Etihad, because that's it, ridiculous. I know, that's but where, where, ridiculous. Where is City going to drop? Like, you look. I know they got I know, Chelsea. They got Chelsea away, haven't they? Mm. Which you know, they they could affect. You know, I, that wouldn't be a massive shock if Chelsea turned them over. But yeah, I don't know. It just, it just, it just. I'd, I'd be surprised if Liverpool drop more than four points between now and the turn of the year. I, I you know, I, I think. That they'll be further adrift the city than they are now. Uh, but, then, but then you, you've got the point of, uh, you might say Liverpool aren't too far behind Manchester City in terms of you know how good they are as a team. But City have got that aura about them where Liverpool are faced with those those fixtures. Like you've said, if City have got those fixtures, they'll beat most of those teams be- before the, the games even started. Just because people just think, oh, City, they're going to steamroll teams, and that that is like a an. Intangible element that you can't really overlook as well because City are just just rolling over teams, aren't they? It's funny, isn't it? You're saying you can't call the, the Liverpool Waffle game one of City's games. The, the game before Chelsea Man City is Waffle versus Man City, and in my head, I've already got that down as a two nil three nil win for Man City. As you say, it's just the aura, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. And I, we were talking about this the other day. The fact that very few teams even attempt to have a go at City today, and even though you, you always get the feeling we're trying to contain City is pointless but it's only you know Guardiola was talking this week again wasn't he about Liverpool and about you know I tried to read books and then I think about Klopp and Liverpool and you know, Liverpool undoubtedly got into his head and City's head collectively but the issue Liverpool have got they only play them twice a season you know I'm I'm more worried about whether Liverpool will win at Burnley than whether they'll win at the Etihad on January mm. the 3rd and by the same token you know I, you, Liverpool desperately need you know those teams you mentioned there like those ones in the middle chunk of the table, because I think realistically the ones in the bottom six or seven are, are, are not going to trouble Man City regardless of what they do tactically. But you think teams like Watford, Bournemouth, probably even West Ham. I think did West Ham got City this weekend. West Ham got City yeah. at, at West Ham. And you think that, that's, you just think if City are going to slip up between, you know, in, in games outside of the, the ones against the top five or six, that that's a possibility. Like West Ham would have to play, you know, out of their skip. But at least West Ham have actually got a few players, who you know, Andersons, you know, are now if he's bang on it. You know, they yeah. could. You got any year for me? United player Hernandez. There we go. Yeah, he, he, he could thumb them in the eye. Yeah. couldn't he? 
But yeah, that do you know what? Clinging onto straws here, yeah, aren't we? On an image. I'm sure, like, yeah, I'm sure Klopp was. You know, Liverpool could do with Klopp going around to all those other clubs and giving them a bit of a lesson. And now you, how you, how you <laughs> shake Klopp up no, no, against Well, it's funny you say that because I was just, just back off and let them play. I was just thinking that because obviously Liverpool have set the blueprints on how to beat Manchester City. The problem is no other club in the Premier League ad, ad, ad fashion is, is is capable of following that. What Liverpool need really in regards to catching Manchester City and hoping Manchester City have a wobble is a team like West Ham, a team like Bournemouth, a team like Watford going to going up against Man City and doing something that stops them from being Man City. And ultimately, there's the blueprint for these middle mid-table teams to say, right, that's what West Ham did. That's how we do it. I always yeah, remember, yeah. this is, I mean, this is a bit of a mad shout going back years, but I always remember when Chelsea under Scolari were, um, were absolutely flying and then Liverpool went there. And it was the first time they won a Stamford Bridge in God knows how long. The Alonso yes, goal, the, yeah, the Alonso goal. And all Benitez did, I remember, was sit his two wide players on their fullbacks. And it was something dead simple that other teams could copy. And ultimately, every team saw what Benitez did. And after that, Chelsea completely fell apart because every team just said, right, okay, we'll put our left winger on their right back. We'll put our right winger on their left back. And that's like their major attacking source, you know, killed. And... So I think Scalari was out the job by the time that he comes to Anfield. I don't think, or I certainly think it was the end of his, you know, towards the end of his reign. He didn't last the season. So what I think what Liverpool needs is a favour from a Man, uh, a West Ham or a Watford to basically say, this is how you play against Man City if you're on our level. And this is how you potentially limit them. Yeah, and I've seen West Ham quite recently and it looks like their big summer signings are starting to starting to gel. And I've seen Felipe Anderson have a great game and he was the, the 40 million signer from Lazio, wasn't he? And out of it, I really like him as a player. He's he's obviously got his his attitude issues that the uh, you know I've seen him end up at West Ham essentially because he you know he was at Inter Milan earlier in his career, wasn't he? But you know you, you know they've got firepower to to cause problems. You just wonder whether they can kind of stay in the game long enough to do that. Um, and that would be the big issue for them, I think. Just move back on to Liverpool rather than all just moan about Oakland Man City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is crazy and clearly in everybody's heads. I, I wake up every morning and see Pep Guardiola um, in the mirror. He moved in. He, yeah. he has. He has. Like Tucks me in at night. <laughs> Makes me some lovely patatas bravas. Um, Liverpool could potentially have their best ever defence um, in terms of a start of the season if they keep a clean sheet against uh, Watford on, on Saturday. Uh, Klopp joked that he was going to play 10 defenders um, <laughs> 11. Which yeah, 11 sorry <laughs> which he obviously won't do but I mean it, it has been the foundation of Liverpool's campaign so far hasn't it and that is the that is the one thing where the one thing we can take as if the miles off, off, the, off the lead <laughs> it's the one amongst it's the one, all this desolation exactly. <laughs> something the one, to cling to the one morsel the one shrapnel um, but it is the one thing that has kept Liverpool that, that makes you feel that there's more to come from this Liverpool side is that the defence has been so good, but the, the forward line hasn't necessarily fired. That defence has been phenomenal, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, what, I think it would be if Liverpool do keep a clean sheet at Watford, which obviously is a big if, but you know, five goals in, would be five goals conceded in 13 league games. Never Liverpool have never managed that in the top flight of English football, which you know, when you think of the great teams they've had, you know, that, that puts it into, into context. Um, yeah, I mean... It's, we, we go back earlier on to what we were talking about, keeping your best players. Well, I think so far this season, we, we've seen the value as well of under Klopp, not only have Liverpool started to be able to do that, but they've also, because of his pulling power, compete at the absolute top end of the transfer market. And obviously Virgil van Dijk, been an absolute revelation. And then since the summer, Alisson Becker coming in. Um, 
you know, he hasn't actually. You, th- you think to think back to Allison in terms of he hasn't actually had an awful lot to do so far in his Liverpool career, but I think it's just his presence makes such a big difference because there, you know, he's 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 at such a level that I think he just instills that kind of confidence and and composure in in players around him, and certainly it's helped having a solid unit as well. You know, that has been a pretty settled back line. The the challenge for Klopp is. You know, I think in making Liverpool more secure defensively, he has lost something going the other way. And it's just a case of just making those little tweaks to it to just just to try and get back that fluency of, of last season. Um because, you know, that getting that balance right will ultimately decide what Liverpool do or don't achieve this season. It is a foundation, isn't it, Gorsty, that Liverpool can really launch from. Oh yeah. And as you say, we're still waiting for Liverpool to truly click as an attacking force. You know, at the end of November and the, the second, and and the, the well in well in the title race, but it's a difficult one because if you want both, so you want a team to go the whole season conceding less than twenty goals, but you want a team to score over a hundred like they did last season, then you are really looking. Um, well, you're asking for a lot, aren't you? And you're looking at one of the the greatest teams on the planet, which is obviously what Liverpool are aspiring to be, but it's. Um, it's not easy, is it? It's a, that's a tough ask. So it's just about striking the balance and um, hopefully sooner or later, Liverpool will kind of get into that fluency that, that we saw so often in the in the spring and, you know, towards the end of last season. Just uh, very quickly before we go on to predictions and lineups and, and all that palaver, Thomas Gronemark, he's extended his contract, uh, which is arguably as big as the money news. Um, <laughs> he's here till the end of the season. Here till the end of the season. It's... It, is it, Klopp swears by him. I mean, Klopp, Klopp, I mean, he's not going to say anything else, is he, in public? But, I mean, the Klopp swears by him. You, you saw it for England, what Gomez did. It, it, it's just a nice little addition, isn't it? Just shows you the marginal gains that maybe Klopp is, is trying to find in yeah. this title race. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, some people mocked, didn't they, when it when it came out earlier on in the season that Liverpool had been working with, with uh, Gronemark. Um, but it just, it tallied with everything else Klopp, you know, has done. You know, it was, I think he talked about it himself that, at the end of last season, you know, he assesses everything and thinks, you know, where where can we make those marginal gains? And and that was an area that he he pinpointed. He'd read about Gronemark's work and and decided to bring him in. And yeah, I think you know, Klopp joked today, didn't he, that uh, you know maybe we should share his salary with England because obviously England better benefited from Joe Gomez's long throw spearhead in the fight back against Croatia last weekend. So yeah, I think you know any anything like that you know is you know, it, it shows Klopp's attention to detail, and it and it shows that you know he he doesn't rest in terms of trying to make Liverpool better. Um, and you'd have to, yeah, from speaking to the players, both at Melwood and the academy, because he, he does sessions there as well. Um, I think he's opened their eyes to the fact that you know there are so many throw-ins in a game of football. It's a piece of possession. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah the, you know, I think probably you know most players would have reached the level they're at now where you just. You either just lob it down the line, or or someone drops off and you lob it to his feet, and that's it. And you know, he, you know, there's there's two sides to it. Obviously, he's worked with them on the actual process of throwing a football, and in terms of precision, um, you know, and trajectory and all things like that. And then the other side of it is movement of players off off the ball to to create spaces and openings. Because you know, as we know, suddenly you know it, it can spearhead an attack, and you know, in a season when it will probably come down to very fine margins. Who knows, Gronemark could have a, a significant role to play. 
Liverpool are going to score a goal this season. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be all Mr. Meg now and say that this is going to happen. It's going to be at Anfield, and it's going to be against the team further down the league, and they're going to switch off, and Liverpool are going to be alert, and it's going to be a Gomez long throw down the line to send Salah away, and they're away, and they're going to score from it. And I, I don't know when it's going to be, obviously, but I can just see that happening. And once that happens, it'll be well, the attention to detail has paid off, and it'll it'll justify the um, you know the basically bringing Granamark in because. You can you can bring all all these tactics, you know, possession on the ball and you know, working with the ball on the pitch. But why wouldn't you bring someone in who, who can just give you that little bit of an edge? And you know, as, as Gomez showed for England in the last week, you know, why not? I think you should probably just start writing the article now. You're yeah, so yeah. sure. <laughs> just saving in drafts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just press publish when it happens. Inevitably. Yeah. Who they who they're happening against? There must be a really dodgy left back in the league. <laughs> I can see it against someone like maybe Huddersfield and Anfield. They just switch off, and I can just, I, it's going to be a little coming together. And then Gomez is launched it down line, and Salah's away, and Mane will catch up with them, and, and it'll, there'll be a goal. Oh, so Salah might score, but he might. Yeah, yeah. it'll be similar to the. Final I, I just, I, I just want to know so I can go to the William Hill after this, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 other, other bookmakers are available, including thepools dot com. Uh, okay, brilliant lads. Um, we'll just wrap up here with our team selections and predictions. Go on, Gorsty, give us your team. Uh, back five Alisson, Alexander Arnold, Gomez, Van Dyke, and Robertson. In field, I've gone for Fabinho and Henderson, and I've got Wayne Alderman there. And then we front three Salah, Mane, and Firmino. Jamesy? Uh, I've gone for obviously the same back four, the tried and trusted front three but also I've then Shakiri, Henderson and Wijnaldum would be would be my uh, my three but it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play Shakiri and went for the extra solidity of a Fabino or a Milner. Mm. I actually reckon we may see Gomez right Lovren Sensor just the way he was talking about the set pieces I wonder if he'll yeah, look yeah, for he that. Could, he might do that. I wonder if he'll look for that. Mm. Um and in terms of the midfield Oh, I think it, I'd probably go for Henderson. No, I'd go for Fabinho. God, there's so many. I'd bring Cater in. I'd bring Cater in. Uh, Fabinho, Cater, and Wijnaldum, i go for. No Shakiri, no? No Shakiri. Unless you're going to do something crazy, like drop another front three and rest them for uh, PSG, that that might be a possibility. But I think Salah Central. Salah Central and then Shakiri on the right. Maybe give Fabinho a rest, possibly. Um Although Firmino hasn't really he's played two friendlies, hasn't he? So it's not really been in England. Yeah, in England. Um and then score lines, go on. See, I'm always reluctant to sound like Mark Lawrenson and just pick Liverpool <laughs> on beating every week. So I think mm. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna say a one all draw. Do you know what I actually think it'll be a draw as well? The, uh, well that's cool because I think Wofford will win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the doom and gloom. <laughs> and, just, Andy Kelly's just picked up his phone and lasted through the window. <laughs> two, two each I'm going to go for. Two each. But as we said, do you know what? It could be anything. I think it'll be 1 0 Wofford. I just think Liverpool might get caught cold here and I've just got, just got a feel in me water. Real show of positivity from the lads, wasn't it? <laughs> the rallying call. What we need back is Ian Doyle, don't we? <laughs> we need Ian Doyle to give us all the positivity that we need. Ian Doyle will be back next week, hopefully, um, full of uh, all the bright and sunshine and shadiness that he brings. Uh, and we'll also be back when we uh, look back at the Wofford game and uh, look ahead to the big trips to Paris for the Paris Saint Germain game. Thanks very much for joining us and have a good weekend. 
You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.